everyone. Welcome to a, another episode of Cisco Champion Radio. It's going to get fun today because we have Fish, <laughs> Jody, Shuttle, huh? and Ben. Hello. Um, so I'll actually have you all go through, but Ben, you have a problem. And so I'm. Ben has a problem. I'm, yeah, I'm I didn't want to say. <laughs> I, I, I like to replace that, that, that there's only one. Yeah, yeah. So we're, before we're here we for dive. Intervention. I'm yes. Sorry. <laughs> Before we dive into that, I'm actually, so who are you? What do you do? And then we'll get everyone and then we'll come back and we're here to just, we're helping, we're going to help you with your problem. Yeah. And we can talk about my problem. Yeah. Hi, Ben. Okay. All about you. Uh, hello. My name is Ben Greenbaum. I'm with Cisco's Security Integrations Group and I uh, have some exciting things to talk about. I'm glad to get to share them with y'all. Yay. Shetel, who are you? What do you do? I'm Shetel. I work at a network operations center at Concha. Uh -huh. Love wireless and security. Wait, question for, sorry. Are you on the Twitters? Yes. So you know your, your Twitter handle Second site. S-E-C-I-N-T-S-I-G-H-T. Awesome. Ch Twitters? Mr. Tigen. Okay. Jody, who are you? What do you do? And then Twitters. Uh, okay. In that order. Uh, I'm Jody. I'm an independent IT consultant. Uh, most of my customers are other IT firms who get a little bit scared when networkings, VPNs, firewalls, routers, all that stuff get into their into the way of their server game. So they call on me and I white box myself to them. It's great. Um, I work in Canada. Uh, my Twitter handle is ghost in the net. I've always loved that. In a non-creepy way, hopefully. And Fish. <laughs> uh, my name is Denise Fishburn. Most people call me Fish. My Twitter handle is at Denise Fishburn, and I am a solutions architect for security uh, at Cisco. But I pulled you in because you're Cisco Champions Emeritus. I am, and yes. My and my way to get time with you this week. And also, I, I think that what Ben's working on is super-duper cool. Awesome. Okay, so Ben, let's discuss. Tell me about the problem. When did it start? <laughs> <laughs> A long We're time ago in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> okay. That's a different story. Yeah, yeah. Um, we have too many products. And by we, I mean the industry. Security practitioners have too much stuff now. Um, we have all of these products that are meant to address specific problems. And they're important problems. And every one of those products fills a real and legitimate need. But we as an industry have created these niche solutions to niche problems. And the average SOC now can have up to 75 different security products that all of the operators need to be able to, to use in the course of an investigation that could literally touch them all. Are you serious? 75? I'm dead serious. Yeah, I was surprised by that as well. That's like clearly too many. Oh and so if you're, so you're, you're working an investigation, right? You found out you got an alert from one of your security products and yeah. said, hey, I detected a thing. Okay, awesome. What do we know about this thing? I'm going to check, you know, I have a file hash maybe in the alert. I'm going to check my endpoint security. Hey, which of the, my hosts have seen this file? How did it get in? Did it come in via web? Then I have to check web security. Did it come in as an attachment to an email? I'm looking for this file hash now in my email security solution. Did it come over the network in some other way? Well, let me check my firewall to see if it is capable of detecting file hashes. And if it is, did it see this one? Wow. And so on. What do all my threat intelligence sources know about this file hash? What does the world know about it? Is this a known bad thing or am I being targeted by something zero day? And on and on and on. And, and, and you could have multiple products from the same category of solutions. For example, company A buys company B. They had different antivirus solutions. Now you have two. Wow. I've never heard about a company doing that. That did, the acquisitions yeah. are always completely streamlined, and all these process or problems are solved ahead of anybody actually having to change desks. Excellent. So I, I, I just made that whole thing up. Uh-huh. 
we all know, well, I guess we don't all know, but most of us know, anyone who's been part of an acquisition knows that there's a lot of heartache around getting the IT uh, processes and technologies aligned. And that, of course, includes security. Yeah. And so acquisitions can be a time when, when an integrated solution would be even more useful than it is on a regular day, which is already pretty useful. And there's a whole industry that's kind of grown up to fill this gap. The orchestration and automation industry and security is he there because... We have all of these different products that don't work well together and they kind of need to be, shall we say, orchestrated <laughs> to, to be able to be used together. I like to think of it as blades in a Swiss Army knife. You've got different tools to different jobs, but at least they all fit in the same package and they all kind of have the same form factor. We don't have that insecurity. And that's that's my problem. All right. So now, now when you start talking about that, uh, it can speak to different Cisco products, okay? Could this new system, uh, uh, if company A, company B merge and they have two different vendors of firewalls, could this new system also talk with the other vendor firewall? And just in to this clarify, system? this is different from the previous company A, company B. Yeah. This is this is like end user. Yeah, company. yeah. Yeah, okay, go on. Yeah. Yeah, I have Cisco firewall and another type of firewall. Theoretically, could yes, it yeah, could. So it could Certainly. Again. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And I mean, that's really what the orchestration space is about. From the very beginning, they were products that helped you harness technologies from different vendors. That was that was a large part of the point of that industry. Now, we're yeah. Cisco. We have a great security portfolio, and it was built by acquiring largely other companies who wrote products that were the best in their class, and that's why we bought them. But they were also developed by engineering teams who had never heard of each other because they were different companies building different things. And so in a way, we are solving what is a multi-vendor problem because these products came from different vendors at the time. Now, we're all part of one big happy Cisco family, and, and like most families, we have to learn how to get along together. Yeah. And this is part of how we're doing it. It's via this tool called Cisco Threat Response. Okay. Now it doesn't share a database, right? It's a it's like a API type call thing. So it wouldn't be like I know this is a really weird analogy, but if we think about it in the United States, every state has its own state police, but they don't share information. So, you know, things can things can escape. Everyone's got different things to go to. So this this would be like almost like an Interpol that can talk to everybody. Is this yeah. why cops have to stop chasing you if you cross the state line? Well, yeah, I that, think that's that happens to you shows. too. <laughs> Get Ohio Fred in here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyways, go on. Uh, that's, that's actually not a bad analogy. Um, and threat response can store data, but largely it's done the way you said, over APIs, and we ask the different products. So let's start at the beginning. Yeah, uh, if you're yeah. doing that investigation that I was talking about a minute ago, and you have 75 different things you have to ask, <laughs> 75 different products you have to check with. So in our earlier example, we're looking for a file hash. Yeah. We could just ask threat response, what does my Cisco security deployment know about this file hash? And threat response will then ask each of those products over that product's API. And that's what you were referencing a yeah, minute ago. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we're not we're not bringing in the bulk data logs from all of those products. Which makes perfect We're letting sense. them store their right. own data however they need to store yeah. it. And we'll just ask, hey, do you have this file hash in your records anywhere? Yeah. Let me know. So essentially, you're opening up a spec saying, this is how we want to ask. This is what we want to get back. You make that happen. To some extent. And we're, we're moving towards a direction like that. But right now, we're dealing with Cisco product APIs the way they are currently existing in the products. 
And so those APIs might be very different. And one of the things that we're offering to our users is that you don't have to learn all those APIs. Uh, one, of the, one of the little throwaway lines I use to describe it is we learn the APIs so that you don't have to. Mm -hmm. um, and then everybody who wants to code to an API can just code to the threat response API. And we'll ask, the, we'll federate those questions out on your behalf to all oh, the different great. APIs. Yeah. In a large sense, you could think of threat response as an API aggregator. Yeah. Because you can ask threat response a question over the API, and it's just going to ask, like, we're just going to ask all of our sources, which are, of course, your sources. Yeah. We're going to do those, we're going to make those questions for you in the, you know, each API to its own formats and bring that response back together and present it to you in a JSON data structure. You don't have to reinterpret, you know, depending on which product it came from. So you ask one person, and then the threat response goes ahead and checks with all of its confidential informants that it has exactly. throughout the yeah, entire yeah, yeah. network, and then you get one answer. You know, back. If I'm threat response, I might not know the answer, but right. I, I know half a dozen people that might. Yeah. I can check. And I'll bring that back to you. And instead of you having to sit at different consoles and, okay, so your one device, uh, your one security technology told you part of the part of the solution, like yeah. part of the piece of the puzzle. You get another piece of the puzzle from another solution. But it's your job to put those two pieces together and to figure out how they fit together. And it's, you know, hours and hours are spent you know, tight, yeah. you know, pasting things into Notepad or Excel spreadsheets yeah. or, if you're lucky, a piece of software that's meant to do case management. Um and threat response takes a lot of that work out as well because we collect all the answers from these different technologies and then put it together. It literally paints a picture for you. It makes a diagram that shows how these different pieces of information are related to each other. Wow. So it's one ring to rule them all and in the darkness bind them. Like it. So we've covered... <laughs> My, precious. My precious. My precious. <laughs> we've covered uh, Star Wars and... Okay. No, now we got... Now we, yeah, now we, yeah, now we've, we've got it. We're getting all the nerd credit. Yeah, all the <laughs> <laughs> They'd fill this podcast room. We don't need that. Ah. I'm like, I'm trying to think of a good Galaxy Quest one. Or anyways, go on. Sorry. I'm like getting all off topic here. Never give up. Never surrender. You'll get there. Yeah. I, I do have you. a quick question. You were saying about the 75 um, different products. And um, with the churn in socks and people and leaving groups and stuff like that. So question. So when you set the threat response up, um, how seriously, I mean, seriously, and I don't know the answer to this, how easy is it to set it up to talk to the different APIs? And, and I, and I hate to ask this, but which API came first or which uh, APIs came first? The eggs. <laughs> Uh, the first integrations that we had in threat response were with AMP for endpoints and ThreatGrid, the file analysis system. Um, it's very easy to set up threat response. It's a cloud provisioned service, so you can go to a website and click the button for make an account, and it asks you all the typical information for making an account, including an email address. And you get an email, and you click the yes, this is really my email, and it directs you back, and you finish the sign up process. That takes a, maybe a minute and a half if your internet connection is slow. Mm -hmm. um, and then you enter the license information for any one of the products that are threat response capable. Okay. As soon as you do that, you can start using it. And then you can add additional uh, technologies that you, you may already have. So, for example, to set up AMP for endpoints, yeah. you go to the AMP for endpoints interface and you uh, click on create a new API credential. You get an API user ID and an API key, just kind of like a username and password. Yeah. You then go back to threat response and say, make a new module, make an AMP module. Here's my uh, API client ID. Here's my API key. Save. You're done. It's a two-minute process. 
And then that backend connection is finished. It'll, every time you ask threat response anything, it will ask M for endpoints for you because you took the two minutes to set up that module. Some of them can take as long as maybe 12, 13 minutes. To okay, I, I am appreciative of the fact that you're being serious that not all of them are like that because I couldn't imagine that all of them were like that. There, but Actually, there are some that are even faster than that. But if you have an on-premise device... Yeah. And you're going to go through like you know, the entire setup, depending okay. on what your licensing allows yeah. and all of that. There can be options that you choose. Okay. And so that can take you know, maybe 10, maybe 12 minutes, which is still seriously not a huge investment. That's, yeah, okay. Time. That's great. Okay. Uh, and once you set it up, it's set up. You never have to set up that AMP for endpoints link again. It's stored for you. And every time you ask threat response anything forever, it will ask your AMP for endpoints deployment. I'm using AMP for endpoints as an example, but the same thing is true of Firepower or StealthWatch, email security, web security, any of the other modules that you might have set up. Ooh, StealthWatch is one of my favorites. We're going to have to add this to my StealthWatch playground. Ooh. You absolutely should. This is one of our newest, uh, our newest integrations that we're supporting, and it's, it's pretty exciting stuff. Because of the way the StealthWatch does uh, deep analytics on your network yeah. traffic, yep. and, and it, it really brings a whole new dimension of visibility into what was already a fairly high visibility tool set. So I'm guessing um, about this tool, do you think that Cisco and AMP for endpoints is like a, you must have that to begin? Or can you start with uh, start with this with other products? But as I think that uh, having endpoint protection and uh, threat grid, do you think that uh, if somebody would like to uh, try this out, a customer, for example, would I have to just have AMP endpoints to get it started? Or Absolutely I... not. And that's the risk of using, I guess, any one technology as an example as I walk through these, yeah. these questions. But no, AMP for endpoints is not required. It's just one of the products that is threat response capable. Yeah. Because... And so there's many different products that are threat response capable. And you can have only one. And it can be any one. And then you get access to threat response. And when I say you get access to threat response, I mean that in the literal sense. You don't, it's not, threat response is not a thing you have to buy. Yeah, because it comes with the products that have the capability to use threat response. So you've already, if you have Umbrella, if you have a web security appliance or email security appliance or StealthWatch or Firepower devices, or yes, and for endpoints, you already have access to threat response. And if you're not using threat response, you just need to go sign up because you don't have to buy any other things to do this. Oh, okay, so right. I have to say that as someone was, you can, and this can end up on the cutting room floor later, okay. but as someone who's been with Cisco for 23 years, I really like the fact that we didn't also charge extra for this. Yeah. No, I agree with you. What, like, well, and it, it would It would be really funny fired. if our okay. solution to too many products was that we made another product. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's, I've never seen that before now. That never but happens save to any big this company. Yeah. If in the future it will be a license, so just save this. Yeah, just yeah. Save. Bite, save this. Bite me, bite me. All right. Now, there's... So basically, everything that comes in on one smart account, essentially, if it ties into threat to threat response, it's all available in threat response. You see those connections right away. We have to you have to do that two to twelve minute process. I was talking about one time for each product. So if you go, if you have um, firepower devices, right? You've got firewalls. You you create a threat response account. You tie your firepower devices into your threat response account. That's now done. You never have to do that again. You then decide to buy Umbrella because you want DNS security. You then add, it's called a module, and it's, when we talk about modules, they are little bits of code, basically, that handle the product APIs for you. That thing that I said where, you, you know, we learn the APIs so you don't have to. Um, the module is what actually handles that API connection. Okay. So then you buy Umbrella, 
You've got great DNS security now. You want to tie it into threat response because you know it's threat response capable. You then configure a module that deals with Umbrella and handles those Umbrella API requests for you. And you add that one time, and then Umbrella is part of your threat response, you know, combined arsenal, as it were. And now you have Firepower and Umbrella answering those questions that you're asking in the course of an investigation. Okay. So security being pervasive. Um, it's Hopefully. A- well, <laughs> ideally pervasive. If you if you have a huge hole somewhere, we, you do want to know about it. Um, you've got things going right down to the endpoints, all the way up to the cloud. So where does this live? This lives everywhere because. No, uh, I like that answer. Let's stick that stick with that answer. This lives everywhere because it's everywhere that your security products are, and you just said security is pervasive. So. Um, it's, it's provisioned in the cloud, it's hosted in the cloud, Okay, but it can talk to your on-premise devices, and it can talk to your cloud services. So AMP for endpoints can be cloud-managed, and if you have cloud-managed AMP for endpoints, then it's a cloud-to-cloud connection. Firepower devices obviously live on-prem, yeah. and so that's a on-prem-to-cloud connection. And so the information, like we said earlier, yeah. the information lives where it lives in the products that you have added to Threat Response. Threat Response itself is cloud-hosted, and we have three data centers, uh, one in Europe, one in Asia, and one in North America. So essentially, your on-premises devices will, pun- will punch out and tattletale. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. But only if you let them. Only yeah. if you let them, of course. Yeah, so, so, yeah. so Threat Response will go ahead, and something comes in, it gets a query. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I think I saw at uh, one thing at the SEVT, which is an internal thing for Cisco, um, they actually went to a uh, the Talos site, got the file hash, uh, and then went over into uh, threat response, and then was like, look for this file hash. And you put it in just one place, and then it goes and asks everyone, wherever whoever you've hooked it up with. So it can ask AMP, it can ask Stealthwatch, it can go and ask everybody. And then it just reports back, yeah, you know, I saw it because my little confidential security informants everywhere saw it here and here and here and here. And then it's one, yo, this is how screwed up you are. <laughs> but, you, but you have to uh, ask for it first or kind of like magically just that the Amframe was discovered a hash. Some other uh, tool you had discovered the same hash. Mm. And suddenly threat response said, Hello, and warned you via well, email or something? Stuff. Yeah, proactive yeah, stuff. so that's a great question. One of my favorite things about that question is that my answer is much better than it would have been six months ago. Um, so we've introduced a feature in Threat Response called Incident Manager. Okay. And products that are Threat Response capable can send alerts to this feature where they're displayed to you, the user, in a single console, in a list from all of your different products. Now, right now, we're supporting that from Firepower and from StealthWatch. And so you can look in one place in Threat Response and find out what Firepower and StealthWatch thought were important enough that you should have somebody deal with this. And of course, all of our other security products that are capable of generating alerts, which is pretty much all of them, will have the ability in future versions of those integrations to send those kind of alerts up into this incident manager as well. So that you still have to do an investigation, but it's telling you what are the most critical things happening on your network that you should be investigating. Yeah, so don't, uh, you you can like, half the time you're doing this uh, stuff. <laughs> That's great. And I also like the fact that you said Stealth Watch because now I really want to put it in my Stealth Watch playground. <laughs> I'm like, cool. That's one of the ones that can go proactive. So 
I think Ben's going to become my new best friend. How do I configure this? How do I do this? Help me with this blog. I'm glad I could bring you two together. Yes, Yes. thank you. You, you, And we're helping you with your problem. (laughs) I feel better having just talked about it. Yeah, yeah. It's good. Sometimes you just have to get it out. We just have to hope that we never run into that layered situation where the hash is no longer valid because the ransomware changed it. Oh. File hashes aren't the only way of detecting a problem. Good. (laughs) Very good. That was a nice way of asking that. So? So, yeah, uh, and you can search, and, and we call them observables because it's a, an identifying factor that can be observed by your security technologies. Uh, I use file hashes as, a, as an example often because everyone's familiar with those, mm. um, and, and most products are capable of detecting them. But also, you can search for email addresses or even Cisco message IDs. You can search for, um, you know, the obvious things like domains, URLs, IP addresses, and so on. And there's a whole list of different things that Threat Response recognizes as discrete data elements that can be, you know, detected by the various technologies that feed into threat response or the threat response can reach out to. Okay. Okay, that's cool. That is very cool. Yeah, absolutely. And what's even cooler is that threat <clears throat> response can pick those out of arbitrary text input. Okay, I, I, I was still on the that's very cool thing, and so I only hopped in on the second half of that. So if you could repeat that again. But it... Threat response can pull observables out of arbitrary text input. So for example a website. Okay. So you, you you spoke of having seen an example earlier where somebody was looking at the Talos blog and copied right. and pasted a file hash out and put it into threat response to investigate it. We have a browser plugin okay. that shows this capability off really well. So in your browser, you could have the Talos blog loaded or any other web page. And there's a button you can press, and then Threat Response will go through what's currently displayed in your browser window and pick out, okay, this has 14 IP address, it mentions three file hashes, you've got an email address, and it will show you those in a list right in your browser. You haven't even gone to Threat Response yet. You're still in your browser looking at the original thing, but you've got this overlay in the corner that's showing you all of these observables that it detected in whatever piece of threat intelligence uh, or whatever else you might be looking at. And you have all the capability of threat response right there in your browser. For So, so for example, yeah. if I'm reading the Talos blog and it tells me, you know, we've detected this new threat and it's using this domain for command and control, you can go um, click on that domain in your overlay from threat response and click block this domain. Uh-huh. And it's done. Two clicks, you're still in the browser and nothing on your network can now get to that domain even if it tries. Okay, okay. So, okay, wait. So... Okay, so we can also push from threat response new... So you're saying we're blocking it? Yes, so threat response is an investigation and response tool. Right. The now, second part of that is also of course, important. Doesn't do, threat response itself doesn't do the denial. Correct. So it can go tell... Over the API, it tells the product, hey, do something about this thing. So where can, which, which products can it uh, push... Right now, we have response capabilities from AMP for Endpoints and Umbrella. Okay. So in AMP for Endpoints, I can block file hashes. Okay. And in Umbrella, I can block domains. And recently introduced in AMP for Endpoints, I can also isolate hosts off my network. So if I have a machine that's mine, one of my assets, I find out that it has gotten infected or it's otherwise misbehaving, I can drop it off the network from a threat response by using AMP for Endpoint's built-in capability to do that. The agent on the endpoint will say, I'm not accepting network requests anymore because I've been bad. Um, and you can, you can make that happen from threat response. Now, here's a question I've got just from a personal, more visibility thing. Understandably, you have to have threat response to have the response capability. But for just the visibility portion, 
can I get a hold of that without having thread response? Because <laughs> I need that as a standard plugin in my browser all the time. I'm not sure I understand the question. Well, he wants it, but he has no products. Well, no. Here, here's the thing. For, for the response, you need the products. Yes. Obviously. Yes. But I'm imagining the risk portion is more checking Talos for that kind of stuff, correct? Uh, okay. So to paraphrase the question as I understood it, the threat intelligence part of that is appealing even if you don't have the products that can do the enforcement. Exactly. Okay. Oh, that was me. Never mind. Go on. Uh, don't worry. It's an encouragement to buy the products to do something about it. I this is a good leader. I was teasing. <laughs> there are a couple of threat intelligence sources that come with threat response by default, and the Talos intelligence database is one of them. Also, the AMP file reputation database. Even if you're not an AMP customer, if you have anything that's threat response capable that gets you access to threat response, threat response by default has access to that file reputation database. Okay. Um, and as well, you can actually pump your own threat intelligence up into threat response over the API, and so it'll check those sources anytime you do an investigation as well. Okay. And, of course, it's also checking your products that you have deployed to see if they've seen any of those items in your own network. So back to the example of the Talos blog and the command and control domain, it'll find out from its different sources what the reputation rating is of that domain. And since you got this out of the Talos blog, it's probably going to come up as malicious from the Talos intelligence mm -hmm. database. But it'll also tell you what Umbrella thinks about this. It'll also tell you what... There's a virus total module. A virus now, what? A virus total module. So the module being a piece of code that handles an API integration for you. Right. And virus total being a completely non-Cisco owned or Cisco relevant service okay. that has a lot of intelligence about malicious code. Yeah. Um, and it has an API. And so anybody can go to the Virus Total website. Bit of a free plug here, I guess. Yeah. But anybody can go to the Virus Total website and set up, uh, sign up for an account and get API keys. And that API is publicly available and well documented. And so we can use the Virus Total API on your behalf, so you don't have to. In the course of any investigation you're doing, you can get back information from Virus Total as well. So with that overlay in your browser, if the only thing that knows anything about the file hash or the domain that you're looking at is Virus Total, you'll get that information. And it'll show up as, you know, red because VirusTotal said it was malicious. Very so cool. you can absolutely have the visibility portion of this, even if you don't own either of the two products that we're currently leveraging enforcement capabilities out of. Because this is a good sales tool in the sense that if I've got this going all the time, no matter where I go, no matter what customer network I'm at, I can sit down with the customer and go, look at all this stuff I can see. And if we implement this, you can actually do something about this stuff I can see. And not only that, we keep using the Talos blog as an yeah. example, but if you're in a customer environment and you're looking at, say, maybe their Splunk page, yeah. their Splunk deployment, you can still do all that stuff. And you can do it now on things that that customer has seen in their environment. And you can say, look, you've got all these machines that are reaching out to this one domain. And look what we know about this domain because I have threat response and all this Cisco stuff telling me information about this thing that is terrible that nobody should be on your network going to. You were saying that from a proactive perspective, of course, I stopped at StealthWatch, but from a proactive perspective, um, you know, we, you, have, you have StealthWatch, you have two products. It was StealthWatch and what was the other one for the... It and for endpoint. The ones no. that actually will tell you, will alert you. You have to. Pay oh, them. okay. So yeah. So the products that are using our incident manager capabilities. Yeah. That's firepower devices and stealth watch. Okay. And then we have the ones that will take instructions from us. Shut this down. Amp. That's amp for endpoints and umbrella. And you said that you can give answers now that you couldn't six months ago. So what's the future going to bring? The incident manager was introduced within the last six months. And and what what is the future? That's a uh, roadmap, Missy. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> 
Well, what I can tell you is that, you know, we have... Gotta get me fired, huh? <laughs> if anyone's going to get fired, it's going to be me here. Um, but what I can tell you without getting fired... Okay, cool. Is, ...is that we're looking across the portfolio at what else generates alerts, even things that we already have integrations for. Now we're revisiting those and saying, should we take alerts from this product and put them in Incident Manager? Other products that have response capabilities, we're, we're saying, should we leverage those response capabilities and make them something that's available via threat response? Okay. Yes. So what the future holds? Uh, yes. Yes. I can make it easy, right? Well, I mean, the answer is generally yes. You're, you're right. But which should we do first? Yeah. Which is going to bring the most benefit to customers? Those are the Makes questions sense. we're currently answering yeah, in, yeah. in product management and in engineering. Okay. That's allowed. I'll allow it. You'll allow that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Otherwise, we're, if he gets fired, then we're going to have to have another intervention. Well, okay. You know. And then I'll have a new problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you have a new problem. <laughs> yeah, we we try not to. I don't think we've ever had a guest get fired for something they did here. I'm not Ooh, taking that. As, seven, I'm I not taking try. that as a challenge. Yes, man, you and I can take it as a challenge. <laughs> Do not accept the challenge. <laughs> this is an audio only recording, so da, nobody can da, see da, that I'm actually da, setting fire to things da, right da, now. Da, da. Oh, sorry. <laughs> You can say whatever you want. It depends on when Kevin posts this or finish editing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it can so, still uh, be saved. <laughs> before we fully go off the rails, yeah, I think we're uh, too late. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone have last questions? Anything no, this is that like yes, we didn't yes. ask? Or? Yes. When are you coming to RTP to put this in my playground with me? You can't do it yourself. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Well, this one may take actually it's twelve a, minutes. It's this free. one might yeah. take twelve it's minutes. Exactly. Hold on. How long does the stealth watch one take? It's about, a, it's under 10 minutes. Okay, it's under fine. 10 minutes. So how many hours do you want me to sit on a plane so you don't have to spend those 10 minutes? This is another prioritization question, isn't it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know if it's so much a prioritization question as a want question. Yeah. Yeah. Won't you? You know what? Teach me how to do it. I'll fly out. I'll make a business justification. Yeah, there you go. You know, it's, it's funny that you say that because a lot of my job does involve teaching people how to use and set up their various functions of threat response. And so I put videos up on the internet oh, um, so awesome. that I don't have to individually talk to each person. So there are videos on YouTube that will show you how to set up a threat response account and how to integrate the different modules that are available and how to use the thing also. I feel like I just got RTFM'd. You totally did, yeah. WTFV. WTFV. I was coming up with that, but you were faster. <laughs> so say we all. All right. Um, thank you, guys. This has been a fun podcast for me, at least. I hope you all had fun. And... It was with Ben, and it was like security cool stuff. Yeah. Well, you know, of course. Yeah. Was, Duh. And the coolest part was that Lauren completed the whole geek circle with the Battlestar Galactica Thank reference. Thank you. Okay. You looked at me weird like, what's wrong with no, me? No, no, no. Why did no. you just sneak that? Anyway, so. I just needed a place to comment on uh, it. That's all. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. And uh, you can obviously listen to Cisco Champions Radio on Apple Podcasts or whatever they're calling it these days and other places that podcasts exist. We've gotten around. 